0: Hey Florian, great to uh, great to see you again. Um, just uh, for the benefit of myself and, and the listeners, uh, would you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction as to sort of Apricum, what you guys are doing at the moment?
1: Absolutely, and likewise, thanks for having me here. So yeah, what is Apricum? Apricum, we are a strategy consultancy and transaction advisory firm, and what makes us different from most of the other guys around that space is that we are exclusively focusing on Renewables and clean tech. So, what's that? Uh, renewables, that's uh, more or less all the typical types of uh, renewable energy generation technologies solar PV, wind, more prominent ones, but also uh, geothermal energy, waste to energy, and whatever is out there. And on the other hand, clean tech. So, that's uh, according to our definition, everything that goes with renewables in one way or the other in a combination or um, um yeah contributing to to making renewable happen such as energy storage hydrogen uh also green mobility and uh, digital energy to name a few so um we are supporting on the one hand uh helping companies with their strategies to grow in the space so we are focusing on growth oriented services only no uh, downsizing and restructuring but We are in a nice position to work in the industry that is growing, so we help to enter new markets, understand technologies better, review uh, uh, strategies and uh, help with our expertise here. And on the other hand, um, we are helping uh, or we acting as a boutique investment bank, supporting on M&A sales side by side, fundraising and also project finance. And I think that is really what makes us uh, most um, different—that uh, we are offering a unique plant of expert strategy advice in combination with investment banking proficiency, mm-hmm. and as a third aspect, the deep technical and market understanding that uh, comes with that exclusive focus on on these segments.
0: Yeah, no, fantastic. And obviously, with a with a stint in um, sort of the MBB consulting consulting firm, McKinsey as well, you've, you've sort of gained, uh, I suppose, many years in, in this space from a consulting point of view. I mean, do, do you want to just t- tell, tell me a little bit about that sort of from the renewables industry? What's it like in a sort of consultancy kind of view, sort of having a bit of a bird's eye view, I'd imagine?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in, in general, from a very uh, high-flying bird's view, um What we are seeing is that renewable energy and clean tech is very hot. Uh, Yeah, very, very big spoiler. Uh, So we see our services in high demand. We are growing quite rapidly, um, recruiting as as much as we can. Still not finding enough uh, uh, good people. Um, So in general, across all our sectors, there is a very high demand. I mean, I'm focusing uh, myself mostly on energy storage and green hydrogen. So, um, if you want, I can uh, give some examples on yeah, what we are working it, yeah. on. And... <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, please do, please, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, happy to do so. Because I mean, it it also I think I, I find it always interesting. I mean, uh, I, I guess as as consultants active in the space and working with a lot of different global um players i mean by the type of engagements that we are hired for um you're already getting uh and also um if you connect the dots a little bit of an understanding what's what's on the top of the heads of of the industry players and you know what it's what's hard what are the headaches and uh, where things are going um i think one project we have done uh sometimes in the more recent past is helping manufacturers of both electrolyzers. So for the production of green hydrogen, and also battery energy storage systems. So these really? are the full systems, not only the battery, but also um, the related equipment to um, design their next generation uh, products. And um I mean, this sounds, first of all, like a very uh, technical uh, exercise, but um, and, and in a way it is, right? You know, so you need to understand the key uh, product characteristic to clusters the technologies and related analysis. That's, that's for mm-hmm. sure. So, for example, you need to understand how an electrolyzer work, how a, a battery energy storage system or best works, system power, centralization, and so on and so on. But in order to understand really what's important, so what are really uh, uh, the um, how how the next generation product should look like and what's driving these changes, you have to be able to understand the markets. You have to understand what competitors are doing. And again, connect the dots, gets a big picture and uh, derive a conclusion um, from there. And just, I mean, to, to maybe name a, a, or to give you some examples here on the electrolyzer side. For example, there's quite some downward pressure um, on uh, the production cost of hydrogen. So everyone tries to to get that down. It becomes competitive even without subsidies. Mm. So uh, electrolyzer projects try to benefit from economies of scale. And this favors a certain setup of the system and certain products that uh, play to it. So, for example, centralized components... Uh, for gas purification or or also um, uh, water treatment, which are quite expensive if you use them centralised and not um, um, in a decentralised fashion, you can save a lot of money. And uh, therefore, a lot of players switch from an integrated to a more centralised topology uh, while increasing also the nominal system power. And a similar thing is also true uh, when, we, when we're when looking at the best manufacturing space here, it's also... It's also for getting cost down of the system Mm -hmm. as it's a more mature market yet. So there's a lot of competition on the cost side and um, also on an easier and faster deployment, because as it's a mature industry and and, and the energy storage market is is completely hot. We're in the middle of the decade of energy storage. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's also very important to get things to the ground um, fast. And that's why there's a high degree of system standardization that we are seeing, particularly with the largest players, such as Fluence, Tesla and Wattseler. They are shifting to more and more prefabricated, and uh, and by that also modular uh, cabinets um, with only a few uh, configuration um, options. And again, also centralized aspects, as I mentioned before, in this case, more for the PCS helps to get the cost down. So these are the kind of things we are looking at, and uh, yeah, as you as you can see, that uh, this is a project type where we are, um, um, I think, can can fully play to our strengths of, um, um, yeah, having all these aspects together, so be able to look both uh, all at technologies, at economics, and also on the overall market trends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Hydrogen, is, a I guess as a as a topic, you know, very much goes up against sort of battery, um, or in, in sort of goes up against sort of electric vehicles, that sort of market. I mean, what what kind of what, what are the applications of of sort of hydrogen, or, or maybe the applications of your specifically focusing on?
1: I mean, we are we are we are focusing. We do not have a specific focus here, right? So whatever um is is interesting for for our clients, we have a look at. Having that this, it doesn't mean that we are saying each application is as good as the other. And I think this is where we see uh, our biggest value we can add to our clients um, to really help them uh, uh, to sort out what's hot and mm-hmm. what's not. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> hydrogen is uh, extremely hyped market, as, as you probably know, mm-hmm. Um there is a massive amount of money available from subsidies and right now everything is driven actually by state support and subsidies such as the ira in the us or um the uh let's say respective uh, counter ira in, in 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 the eu um but of course it's a bit dangerous uh if you just uh blindly follow the money here and because uh if if let's say subsidies are not well applied and there might be uh, other solutions, low carbon solutions, I have to say, which might be more suited. And hydrogen can do do the same thing, but there are other solutions available, non-hydrogen solutions that that can do the same thing and cheaper. You might be able to still uh, uh, deploy your solution as long as there are subsidies. But as the industry learns and matures, there will be a day where uh, things will not be. Uh, uh, re- uh, there will be no state support anymore, and then uh, there's of course a high risk to to have stranded assets,
0: and uh, yeah, uh, a, a big risk of investing in the wrong thing. Yeah, and and obviously you mentioned sort of funding and and um, sort of back. I mean, my next question really sort of ties into that, really. I mean, what are the main challenges you know you you see or or you see in this space?
1: I mean, I think yeah, there's a, there there are a lot of a lot of challenges. Um, I mean, first first of all, the um, the competitiveness of I mean, sorry, one step step back, right? I mean, there are like I call it the, the 50 shades of hydrogen, right? There are all these different colors meaning something something different. There's uh, I mean, uh, gray hydrogen, black hydrogen, these things which have been there forever and uh, but which are um, Creating carbon emissions and therefore um are to be replaced with other low carbon uh, hydrogen types such as green under certain conditions, also blue and turquoise. Uh but let's let's focus on green for, for the time being. So here, I mean, I think the biggest challenge is to get cost down to um an amount that makes the application of green hydrogen uh competitive to the incumbent uh Uh, CO2 heavy solutions and yeah so on the on the so whatever the green nitrogen is is replacing uh, that uh, there should be cost competitiveness but also the resulting products have to be uh, be able to produce in a way that they they can be can can compete with with uh, uh, products uh, that are let's made uh, let's say are made in the conventional way and then with the cost of CO2 applied to that. Because, I mean, that is, of course, a major driver for green hydrogen. If there's a fair pricing of negative externalities, such as pollution, I mean, for a long time, it was was for free to, to blow CO2, or almost free to blow CO2 into the air. If that's priced fairly, uh, that's a step in the right direction. But in most cases, it's still probably not sufficient uh, to to um, compete with green hydrogen on a on a on a on a pure uh, cost comparison, so I think that's a big problem. Then, it's of course a question uh, where to produce enough green hydrogen to meet the demand. Um, here, of course, there's also a caveat. Right now, there are extremely high numbers expected for demand of hydrogen. I think hydrogen will be a very important puzzle piece in the decarbonization puzzle but will it be will demand be as big as some associations like to make industry believe that's still to be sorted out because again there are some sectors which there might be probably different solutions or they will become tangible much later uh, on the timeline as probably the lower hanging fruits are harvested first right but if again still you even if you reduce that number a little bit um it's uh yeah there you have to uh produce enough green hydrogen what's the problem with that you need renewable energy for that otherwise it's not green so um this requires a lot of renewable en- um, um energy generation facilities and as you know there is a big ramp up for example in europe and other geographies but there is also it, it, it's not the only need is not only for for hydrogen we want to decarbonize the power system we want to decarbonize transport um and uh for battery electric vehicles you need electricity as well so this creates quite a competition for the available renewable energy and uh therefore it will which also by the way has an impact and of course on the price for renewable energy which mm-hmm. then uh drives up the cost for green hydrogen again which Talking about importing hydrogen from other geographies which comes with a whole bunch of <laughs> other problems because mm-hmm. hydrogen cannot be transported very efficiently in particular not if you want to uh, um, transform whatever medium you're using such as ammonia back into hydrogen if you make use hydrogen to convert it into green ammonia and then ship it somewhere and use it as green ammonia that's that's uh, more feasible than to, uh the, changing it back so pipelines are a good solutions but uh, try to build a pipeline from Brazil to Europe that's that's of course difficult
0: <laughs> yeah no I can imagine I can imagine and and you mentioned um obviously some like applications like transport and and sort of in the vehicular sort of um sex I guess but what are the other applications of hydrogen what other what other sectors do you think they would become almost dominant is that the right word to use or or um I guess, regular or, I think, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think uh, we should focus, or, I mean, again, so if there's a market distortion, a lot of subsidies available, then it it can be that uh, the hydrogen is applied in in all kinds of sectors, right? I mean, that's, Mm. you can, of course, force it. You can force a flow of hydrogen flowing in a certain direction. If we uh, take a step back and look uh, at, I'd say the most um the most logical uh, use cases i think uh, everything around industrial applications is certainly uh, something to look for mm. so um most importantly steel i think green steel uh, there was a there was a, um, a report i was just reading about yesterday from agora the german think tank where they were comparison comparing co2 emissions of uh, uh let's say different technologies of hydrogen with other uh, solutions uh, compared to the incumbent solution and um, green steel was certainly something where you could save uh, a lot of emissions by changing the current process to um, um, uh, something that goes over uh, directly reduced iron uh, through the use of, of green hydrogen. But also other applications in refineries. Ammonia, ammonia for sure. I mean, ammonia is uh, something uh, black ammonia, which is generated from uh, very polluting uh, sources. Um, my understanding is that uh, if you would replace all of the global ammonia production, black ammonia production with green ammonia, and I think you could use green hydrogen for quite a long time uh, before you have reached that target, because a lot of ammonia—it's a you know—it's a basic uh, fertilizer. Mm-hmm. um which is which is needed all across the world so if you would replace all of that it would be already decreasing global co2 emissions by 1% i think that's that's already quite something so this is i think a main application using uh using using hydrogen as as a uh, as, a, as a, a chemical so to say using hydrogen as a fuel for transport and so on um can make sense but um it's you have to be a bit careful here um where it really makes sense and i think there are a lot of risks associated to alternative low-carbon solutions as i indicated before Mm. if you ask me i would always focus on use cases first where there are no real other low-carbon alternatives so the only way to decarbonize that process that application is with hydrogen full stops and it can be expensive but again if you want to go net zero 100 uh, uh, percent emission free if you want you will have to apply hydrogen if you look at something else where hydrogen could make sense or not and it depends a bit you know a lot on also the application of batteries and transport not only for passenger vehicles but also trucks you know, there might be also technological advancements on the battery side and uh, combined with the momentum uh, battery electric vehicles have from the passenger vehicle side there's at least a certain risk, right? I mean, it can mm-hmm. make sense for heavy trucking. Um, there are different, definitely applications today, but then again, uh, maybe uh, there will also be a, day, uh, a world where people say, let's go all in for batteries. We already have the factories we have to invest in charging infrastructure for passenger vehicles anyway so let's um build on that for um also uh uh, uh, yeah uh, making making the trucking um uh, based on 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 batteries
0: absolutely and and i think i think obviously sectors maybe where hydrogen probably will come into its own would be sort of maybe shipping air like aerospace are you seeing Are you seeing any movement your side with with these kind of? Um, sure, sectors? I mean there are, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of
1: also companies focusing on that. So again, everyone is focusing on everything. If you go to a hydrogen conference, there will be a session every and with for for all of these aspects, for all of these use cases, and someone standing here saying that's exactly what we should, we should use hydrogen for. So there is definitely uh, a lot of lot of attention for the sector, but again, combining all what I've said with production has to ramp up and um, lower hanging fruits, right? If you combine these two, um, I think there's probably some use cases that are um, likely. Uh, to be stress earlier because it will become economically viable earlier and it's easier and there are no other solutions for decarbonization and then there are others where probably things are a bit shifted down the road it doesn't mean there should not be uh, r and d uh, and you should uh, um of course test different solutions but I would also say you have to be careful because you should not uh, lose focus right if mm. Sometimes you hear the the notion, uh, yeah, but we have to, we cannot focus just on one thing. Let's try out everything. I mean, it's depending how you how you what's what's your perspective is on climate change. But where I'm standing, I think time is of essence. So mm-hmm. if there's one thing we do not have, it's time. So I think it's a bit risky, and uh, I don't know directing money flows to potentially the wrong case and then finding out in ten years. Uh, then it's probably too late. So I think um, a sober assessment should be done and a selection of really the right use cases uh, should be done as well uh, from the subsidy side, but also, of course, from private companies. And yeah, that's where africa is, of course, also here to help to really uh, sort out what to focus on and what to invest in, so not only from mm-hmm. a profitability perspective, but also for the sake of making the energy transition efficient.
0: Perfect. and I guess'm uh, just going to throw this out to you uh, Florian before we before we wrap up i suppose what what would your sort of short term i i guess sort of um predictions be sort of next five years sort of ten years for for hydrogen in in your in your best your best guess what what's your sort of short term and long term predictions for this industry um
1: i mean it's it's of course a broad uh question i think uh in the short term uh we will see as as it's it's, it's the case for 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 all the different industries right in 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 also in energy storage and and the it was the uh, same wave uh, to a certain extent i mean regulation are um sorted out also on a global scale there will be some clearer definitions clearer frameworks to make um um to, to give some security for investment for example the definition what is green hydrogen and probably also getting rid of these as i called it before 50 shades of hydrogen these color coding but rather going uh through a categorization that's not based on colors but uh rather on uh on on emissions related to it so i think that's one thing then i think there will be an increasing um, education also of the industry because right now it's i think for a lot of uh, uh industry participants it's 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 difficult to sort out what's right and what's not so a lot of numbers are flowing around everyone claims some figures and it's of course always hard to to challenge it because then you have to uh but in that report uh, it was stated like that and that report was stated like that it was same like in energy storage before there was really a, a let's say a standard definition also for the levelized cost of energy storage to compare energy storage technologies in a fair way so before that was the case, I still remember everyone was claiming something different, what should be in that cost. And then of course uh, you could, uh, let's say, tweak the figures as you need it. And I think there is still a lot of work to be done in hydrogen to create these common understanding and commonly accepted reality of, of what's right and what's not. So I think this is still coming. And um, then I would expect also in the short term that, um, the uh, the hydrogen production in particular is is finally really kicking off through these uh, really fundamental um, governmental uh, programs um, which basically make up for hydrogen, green hydrogen not being uh, 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 viable or competitive um, um, on on a pure market driven way. So I think that's it's going to kick off some, some uh, uh, or or quite some production capacities. However, right now it's still very, very complicated to apply for these uh, funding. So I, I just came back from a conference in Rotterdam, and I I heard uh, conference participants rightfully complaining that. Um, With the current structures, it will be impossible to reach uh, the targets uh, until 2030 because it will take years, seven, eight, even longer years, more years uh, to to get a a project realized based on the current um, system. And at that time, I think, based on this education, actually, um, hydrogen uh, um, – Will move from just being on the paper to real projects i think that will also increase the learning and also probably the, the current hype will be probably replaced by a certain soberness which mm-hmm. is uh i think a very uh good process in every industry at this stage then to really understanding okay there, there are probably a few things uh, uh that are not working out let's focus on the other um and 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 go for that then for the for the uh yeah coming uh, for for the uh, for for the years uh, in, in the second timeline that you mentioned i know in, in five years to ten, ten years
0: ten, five ten years yeah in the future
1: <laughs> exactly exactly but i mean at the end of the day it, it will depend everything along nitrogen and in particular nitrogen i think will depend on will governments stick to these ambitious decarbonization targets so that's of course the key prerequisite. If we will experience, I don't know, in five uh, five years or so, um, I don't know, government saying, look, uh, we will not meet these targets anyway. Let's focus on just dealing with the impact of climate change. I mean, I don't hope that, uh, but uh, you never know. Or they're kicking down the can and uh, targets are moved to 24 or later. I mean, I think the key prerequisite for all um decarbonization technologies but probably hydrogen ev- even more um is that we will stick to these targets and we should and then i'm pretty sure that hydrogen will play um or has its role and uh, at least significant role also in the whole decarbonization decarbonization game
0: no understood and um yeah well thank you very much for your time florin thank you for appearing on the podcast it's been great to uh, speak with you and uh, yeah we hope we uh, can have you on again
1: Absolutely would be would be happy to do so.